Well, they're not scared of you. They're scared of what you represent to them. Amen. Oh, we represent to them, man, as somebody who needs a haircut. Oh, no. What you represent to them is freedom. What the hell's wrong with freedom, man? That's what it's all about. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's what it's all about. Just what is it that you want to do? We want to be free to ride. We want to be free to ride our machines without being hassled by the man. Welcome to Chopper Profits, everyone. I'm Mike, and uh, today I have in studio uh, someone who I met uh, prior to Born Free 4, uh, about a year before, and went to the opening of their shop, um, the opening of his shop, and uh, kept in touch with him ever since, and have enjoyed the updates and and seeing everything that uh, comes from Instagram and his work. Uh, He's a great guy. Please welcome to the show, Mr. Evan Scott, Iron Evan. How you doing? I'm doing well, man. How are you doing? I'm doing really well. Good. Um, things uh, we talked a little bit before the show, and it seems like things uh, have picked up for you at uh, Iron Cobras. Yep, it's uh, going on not being just a part-time gig anymore. I'm there a lot more than I used to be. Uh, a lot more projects have been coming in lately, which is always good, and just doing my thing and getting the word out there and just trying to put out the best work that I can do right now. That's awesome. And and it shows. Um, I know that uh, there's quite a few people that I've shown pictures to of the custom exhaust that you've done, and you know, especially for, uh, I think it was one was on the Ducati. Oh, yeah. Uh, The nice tucked up under the fender. Yeah. Get rid of those big old cans. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, he was interested. So I still have to give me your info. Definitely. Um, Well, you know, this show is really geared towards getting more in depth behind the person, behind the craft. Sure. And and we're really about supporting, um, you know, a lot of local as well when i say local i mean you know across the planet small businesses you know and small uh operations and uh supporting those the facets of those and so what got you into doing what you do i mean whether it's whether it's your day job that turned into uh the shop but what got you into that uh i would say it goes back to when i was young i mean i younger when i first started to get into like the age of driving i got hooked on cars you're still pretty young let's just be honest <laughs> i'm not that young <laughs> he's good looking ladies let's just leave it at that and he's taken so yes i am <laughs> um but yeah when i was younger i got the car bug real bad and uh kind of just got head over heels with that throughout junior high and high school even and you know it was just buying one car after the other and fixing them and working on them and making them faster and just through doing that, uh, just learning my skill set, you know, mechanically wise back then more so than anything. And then with that came, you know, stop trying to stop paying people to do stuff for me right. and just learning as much as I could on my own or from friends or from just being hanging out at shops or whatever like that. And then I had an opportunity. I was in going to school for a college and I had the opportunity to... Uh, be an apprentice at a motorsports fabrication facility on the East Coast, which where nice. I grew up. Yeah, it was a kind of kind of was my dream job actually, yeah. and it was uh, a company on the East Coast that did uh, Volkswagen, Porsche, and Audi fabrication. Awesome. So, um, you know, I'm a huge German car fan. Anybody that knows, I've always been into Volkswagens and now Porsches and stuff like that. So. I kind of just got a, a like a 
apprenticeship there and that's mm -hmm. how it took off and I worked there for about five and a half years and after two years I became the shop manager there from being an apprentice. That didn't take very long. Yeah, not very long. So <laughs> That says something about your character. Yeah, it was a really good opportunity. Um, it just worked out where my boss just saw the, you know, what I was doing there and how like fast I was learning how to do everything. Yeah. And it just worked out in my favor to where after, yeah, two and a half years, I was just running, you know, a four person shop, you know, fabricating for these, you know, half a million dollar cars and wow. stuff like that. So it was dream job for sure. But uh, after five years, I kind of got the bug to do something different. Mm -hmm. I loved the job. My boss was cool and everything, but I came out to California to visit my brother who was living here at the time and I just loved it out here and mm -hmm. I went back home and quit. <laughs> <laughs> I gave my boss three months notice and then I moved out here and just been working been working for one shop out here pretty much since I moved out here. I had a couple of other little random jobs but I've been working for a small motorcycle shop in Costa Mesa called Ron Wood Racing. He has a lot of flat track um, heritage and racing and stuff like that since the late 60s and 70s when all that stuff was popular. So mm -hmm. been working there and just from meeting people and, you know, friends and stuff like that, I just kept getting like, you know, oh, Ev, we need you to do, can you do this for me? Yeah. Can you do that? You know, like, and now that everybody's getting motorcycles, all my friends have motorcycles yeah. and stuff like that now. So I just been it started, like you said, I started doing it after hours and then it kind of got to the point where I needed to do more. I was lucky my boss would let me do side work at his shop after hours or on the weekends. So mm -hmm. that kind of just ra rolled into I needed my own shop so I can get my own tools and stuff like that. And over the last yeah year and a half, year, year and a half now, I've just been buying up tools and rented a shop and just been going ever since and it's been steamrolling and it's get doing pretty good now and you guys are you're located where uh in signal hill california right off the 405 so yeah. we have a little shop over there That's and by cool. little he means uh extremely capable yes extremely <laughs> capable uh i have a little but all the right tools that's for sure yeah you know, lots of nice machinery and old nice machinery and stuff like that so well let's uh let's talk a little bit about your childhood you mentioned that you you uh grew up on the east coast yes where where on the east coast outside of philadelphia pretty for the yeah. most part um just uh it's the next county the next to philadelphia it's uh bucks county okay. kind of like a more it's the suburbs of Philly, but it's more like the rural suburbs of Philly. I mean, I could be in Philadelphia, downtown Philadelphia in 20 minutes, or I could be in the middle of nowhere in 10 minutes. That so sounds like a great place to be. It was really cool. It's all like old farming community, and which kind of got taken over with like the housing boom, which kind of sucked. You saw a lot of that growing up. Just yeah. you'd be like, one year there'd be a farm there, and the next year there'd be a tract housing, you know, like huge tract house community. So it was like kind of sad but it was in yeah. still a nice area lots of nice parks and everything like that so that sounds really can't beautiful. complain about it yeah what was uh what was your childhood like growing up i mean tell us a little bit about uh when maybe you first got into um you know the things mechanical and yeah uh my dad i guess it probably stems from mostly my dad he was a truck driver the whole time like i was being raised you know until i was about like 10 years old he drove trucks i've driven to florida in a big rig with him before when i was like six or seven something nice. like that it was a something i'll never forget 
Um, so yeah, he'd also always be around working on his big rigs and stuff like that. And I was too young to remember, but he did have motorcycles when I was really young. There's a couple pictures that they recently I've seen of me as a one-year-old sitting on a triumph, which was really cool. You know, it was really, really cool to see. And, uh, he had always, before I was born, had had like British sports cars and motorcycles, triumphs mostly and stuff like that. So I guess that was just bred into me. Right. But when we were growing up, he never really had any of that, but he did have the big rigs. So, and then uh, we just, I just come from like a long line of like worksmen, you know, like my grand, great grandfather and grandfather were both plumbers. My mm. uncle's an electrician. My other uncle's like a sheet metal guy for HVAC. So it's just like, you know, everybody in my family is like comes like that and then on my other side my mom or my dad's side of the family uh my grandfather uh was a um a draftsman for Mm -hmm. and did like airplane design during the second world war and stuff like that so and actually flew in bombers and stuff like that so it was pretty pretty cool you know is he still around no neither of them are still around yeah they passed away a while ago we're losing our world war ii vets yeah as as obviously as time goes on yeah definitely but yeah, as far as like the mechanical, so that's where I pretty much I think get most of my that from. And then, but yeah, I had a really nice upbringing and like in that mostly in the area. We moved to Florida for a while for a couple of years when my dad went to school down there. I don't, I wasn't really that big of a fan of living in Florida. It's a little bit too hot and humid for me. Yeah. But um, but yeah, most for for the most part, we just lived in this one little. We moved around a bunch, you know. But it was nice. I can't complain about anything. So it was cool. It was good, yeah. So um, let's talk about uh, maybe you apprenticing. Uh, was it was it in Philadelphia where you apprenticed? Yeah, okay. actually, like just it was still. Yeah, I guess it was still Philadelphia. It was uh, we the shop we I worked for was in Germantown, which is kind of like a. I don't know if it's quite yet suburby, but it's mm-hmm. a cusp suburb, or maybe still part of Philadelphia, the city itself, but. Um, so it's when I started at the shop with the shop was in Germantown and then they expanded so much that we moved it out to uh, Willow Grove, Pennsylvania, which is def- a suburb. It was closer to where I live, which was nice. I didn't have to drive as far. Right. But, um, yeah, a friend of mine was the mechanic there. Um, and it was, I'd say when I started, it was a maybe five or six person operation, a mechanic and then the business, more business, you know, like side of it, the salespeople and everything. And then they had brought this guy out to start their fabrication department because he had a lot of Porsche racing background and stuff like that. Yeah. And uh, my buddy was like, hey, like they're, I would always be like, oh, are they like hiring, you know, or like, do you need any shop help or anything like that? And it got to the day where it was like, hey, they're like looking for their first apprentice. So it was just this fabricator guy. And as they were expanding, they needed somebody. So I kind of got my foot in the door with them and mm-hmm. was just to go in there after hours and working at night. And then after a couple of weeks, they kind of wanted to hire me on to come during the day. So I quit the job I was working during the day as a screen printer, actually. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yeah, I did that for like four years uh, very repetitive that. yeah so repetitive and boring <laughs> yeah. um and then was going out there to do fabrication at night and then it took over to f- full time and just 
in the beginning, like the first about year, it was no welding, you know, it was just make this part or cut this tubing. So, I mean, that can get repetitive too, but you're still learning new stuff and watching the welders and stuff like that. So, and you're honing your, your cutting skills. And yeah, you know. exactly. Learning like what happens to the metal when you, you know, you do this, it affects it that way and stuff like that. So, um, after about a year, I just like, we had moved to a new shop and we hired a full-time welder. So it was like a staff of three in the fabrication department then. Mm-hmm. And the welder was really cool. Older dude, Al, I'll never forget. He's just the coolest old dude would always be listening to jazz and stuff like that while he's welding. That's awesome. And, uh, I just asked him one day, I'm like, hey, like, I want to learn how to weld because I wanted to build like a downpipe for my car or something like yeah. that, you know? And, uh, he just started giving me the basics of TIG welding and I just went straight to TIG. I didn't wow. even like, I mean, I messed around with the MIG welder a little bit before, yeah. but just went straight into TIG welding. And so he threw you right into the fire. Yeah, basically. For those that don't know, I mean, there's a lot of people listening that are, you know, I'm sure fabricate, but for those that don't, um, can you explain just briefly the differences between TIG and, and MIG? Sure. MIG welding is basically like they call it squirt gun because you mm-hmm. literally just pull a trigger and. You, I could show somebody how to MIG weld in two minutes and, you know, you can be running like a pretty decent beat or something that at least stick together, you know? Yeah, yeah. So it's pretty just like rudimentary. It's, you know, you just pull a trigger and the wire comes out and it makes the two pieces of metal basically melt together and stick together. You know, it's pretty, pretty simple. Whereas TIG welding is way more precise. Uh, you have a torch in one hand, which is your, basically your heat source. Mm-hmm. And then... You have a foot pedal, which controls how much heat comes out of that torch. And then in your other hand, you have your filler rod. And you have to do all three of these things in this... Orchestrated or- manner. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it has to be right on. And you have to know what you're doing. And, yeah. and there's a lot of stuff going on at one time. So it's a lot more precise and a lot harder to to be good at, I, I feel like, at least. I mean, that's... I would agree. Yeah. I, I, haven't, uh, I haven't done TIG... But I've done MIG, you know, with uh, uh, gas. Yeah. And it's, uh, I was able in my first weld to literally have no problem. Like, I mean, I, you know, it was a big blob, but yeah. the next time, you know, I just did stitching back and forth and I was able to get a pretty decent weld. Yeah. There's so much more to it than just, you know, even the squirt gun welding, it's so, there's so much more to it about how you set up your pieces. And I mean, when things get hot, they bend. Yep, you know? exactly. Yeah. I started again I, I know that my friends that work over at the shop are listening to this podcast probably and uh they were the ones that showed me and it is it's it's easy but at the same time there, it's so much more yeah there's definitely still a skill to mig welding like yeah. don't get me wrong it's not just like anybody <laughs> can do it there yeah. is definitely l- different levels of quality of mig welding and you know you can weld crazy thick stuff with mig and or tig too but uh, yeah, there's. Uh, don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to knock <laughs> MIG welding at all, but some guy out there who's you know MIG welds for a living is going, gosh, <laughs> yeah, <it> sucks. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just what I do is mostly thin wall tubing for most of my career. You know, I started making those mufflers for Volkswagens and Porsches and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And it's all just super thin stuff. So there's there's a a little bit of MIG welding involved in it, but most of it is TIG welding. So that's why I just went straight into that because that was my field at the time and it yeah. still is, you know. So that's why I I'm just ninety nine percent TIG welding pretty much, you know. That's so. good. I mean it's uh it's definitely something from what I understand in the fabrication community, it's something that um it's 
I think because you can control the heat source so dynamically, it's easier to weld those thinner metals. Oh yeah, absolutely. Versus MIG where you can control the heat and the feed, but it's like, you got to stop kind of what you're doing, adjust knobs. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So you can definitely get way more control with the TIG on thinner, you know, it's, I don't, it's just easier for smaller, thinner, yeah. more precision welding with the TIG. That's awesome. There's your lesson today, folks, for welding. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Come back next week <laughs> for welding with with Evan. Um, so when you moved out here, um, what what were the events that kind of led up to the opening of Iron Cobras? Uh, basically just friends coming to me wanting to have stuff made for their motorcycles you know a couple of buddies of mine got really into mo- I, I mean i've always been into motorcycles but i came from more of unfortunately to say this the sport bike background not, not unfortunate <laughs> not i love all motorcycles so. yeah and not like i i got into racing sport bikes really after i bought my first sport bike i got really hooked on going to the track days with mm-hmm. a friend of mine on the east coast and once i moved out here i kept doing that and then now everybody's getting you know more into the cruiser bikes or the customs or cafe racers and uh i just have friends that would be like hey can you do this like i know you weld or can you weld this up for me and uh kind of just started from there um people were just wanting to bring stuff by and have me do something custom and i had been working for uh, Ron Wood Racing for a while, and all we do there is make exhausts. So everybody be like, hey, can you do this exhaust for me? Or, <laughs> you know, I used to make some handlebars for bicycles, and a lot of people I, I know that ride bicycles, they are getting into um, motorcycles now, and they'd be like, oh, can you make those handlebars but for my motorcycle? And it's right. pretty much the same thing, you know, same size tubing for the most part and stuff. So just got into doing that. And then... And yeah, it just kept ballooning and ballooning until the point where I was like, I need to get my own space to do this in. So, and so, what, was it that you were um, based in Long Beach already, and you just decided to look there? Yeah, I live lived in Long Beach since I moved to California. I love it there. Um, I like that area too. By yeah, the way. definitely. <laughs> Especially like it, my wife and I went to down to the Fourth Street area for the first time. Oh yeah, it's uh, great. Was it Fourth Street? With all the vintage shops and everything. Actually, I take it back. I've been down there a couple <laughs> times because uh, I have a friend who lives down there, um, and then also, uh, you know, Dixie Long yep. Beach, the Long Beach Trading Company's down there, John's shop, and then um, what's the place that's a little past? I thought it was Fourth Street, maybe it's Second Street, like Belmont Shores. There's yeah, area. Belmont Shores is more like the bars and everything like yeah. that. But then uh, on Fourth Street, you got like the Pike as the real famous spot the bar right there to go to and there's a bunch of little vintage stores and a good coffee shop right on all the like two blocks right there there's a bunch of good restaurants feel free to promote that coffee shop too oh uh (laughs) what coffee shop is it uh portfolio it's the one that everybody goes and hangs at it's It's really nice it's on the corner it's on the corner of uh fourth and uh I can't remember right it's, now. It's just past. It's not Cherry. It's the next one over. Uh, I can't remember. It's right down now. from Dixie though, right? Yeah, it's yeah. down from right down, right half a block away from Dixie. I think we stopped through there one time because my buddy uh, John and and Ken live in in Long Beach, and we went out riding one night with our wives, and we were trying to find a coffee shop after we had eaten and stuff, and 
they led us down that area and it had just closed. Oh man. So I was like, ah. <laughs> but anyway, well, let's um back to you. Um I I generally like to again, you know, focus more on the, the person behind the craft and sure. Um since we're we're all people, we live in, in a world that's ever changing and um challenging at times. Um what um and you can answer this in any way you see fit, but what's what's the worst experience that you've had in your life? In my life. In your life. The worst experience. Mm. Wow, that's a tough one. The worst experience. I know it kind of puts everybody on the spot, but Yeah, that's a that's a good question. I'm trying to think. Some people, you know, it's a divorce or it's a, you know, a mom or you know, a parent passing away. Yeah. Uh I'm just trying to think of what the worst experience. I I had a couple like things from when I was younger that I kind of stick with me to this day that are like always I not always think about but just like things that have happened in my life. Like one time I got lost in the woods when wow. I was like a pack of us went and we had some woods right behind our house. Mm-hmm. Now I, I, I mean this isn't like crazy like oh my god or anything you know it's Blair Witch style. yeah no not like that but like <laughs> but still scary yeah exactly and it's just this is one thing that I just came to mind right now but like uh a bunch of us went into the woods one day just to like go I mean we were I was young probably like seven or eight something like that yeah. you know and like I went my daughter's age yeah I went in there with like a pack of friends because we, we would just go romp around in the woods and build jumps or like do stuff like that you know and kid stuff yeah kid stuff (laughs) and uh i remember like a bunch of us went in there and for some reason i was like i'm just going home like i was and i just took off by myself and i like got to the point where i was like i don't know where i am i'm in the woods it's summertime so everything was like overgrown yeah and it's just like you turn left you turn right and like everything looks the same and you don't know where you're at and it was just scary you know it was like a traumatizing experience (laughs) for being like in there for like a half an hour you know yeah and i forget i just wound up gotten to the point where like i was freaking out like i was just like i need to get out of here and i started like just diving through like bushes and like getting stuff out of my way and getting like all tore up by like sticker bushes and stuff and i just wound up getting back somehow and it was just like crazy you know you picked a direction and just i just picked a direction forward. and plowed through and it was the right direction thank god and wow. this kept going so that's one but that's not like anything too crazy it just sticks with me in my head yeah worst experience i don't know i might have to get back to you on that one i'm just trying yeah, to think fine. maybe we'll just uh, we'll do it as a follow-up if you know it's it's not one of those things that's critical to the podcast it's just uh, my feeling is that as people, you know, we're all connected through our humanity. Yeah. And uh, regardless of color, race, nationality, you name it. Yeah. And the feeling is, uh, and it's part of the, the premise of this podcast, is that I think there's so many things out there that people experience, and it's it's uh, not all experiences are good, not all experiences are bad. Yeah. And people um, tend to be able to identify with other people's experiences. And so one of the goals, I think, from this is I would... I would love to be able to be a conduit for that, you know? Yeah. Um, maybe, and I, I laugh and chuckle at this a little bit, but on a serious note, maybe there was someone who got lost when they were little and had a, a, a worse experience, you know, yeah. how it ended. And they still to this day struggle. Maybe they have PTSD or whatever, and they, they feel like I need to, you know, go and maybe talk to somebody. Yeah. You know, that's the, the serious part of this podcast, uh, aside from all the fun that we have, is... Um, 
being able to identify and connect with people and uh, in a world that's so separated through yeah you know social media and you know we have friends on quote unquote on yeah. instagram or <laughs> facebook or you name it um being able to connect with people um whether it's through this interview or even in person or even somewhat in that the social media um arena uh it's important yeah actually i think of something else now that i forgot about for a second but uh yeah you said been mentioned deaths and stuff like that and uh when we were growing up, we had a dog mm. on a, when I was in like probably like a early high school years and we had to put the dog down because it had gotten cancer and like, Crap. I, yeah, it's, it was probably one of the hardest things. I mean, I've had like relatives pass away and I didn't feel as emotional as I did about having to put this dog down, you know? Did you grow up with them? Uh, we had, we didn't grow up with them, but we had had them for probably like six or seven years, you yeah. know? So yeah, growing up, I guess it was yeah. junior high and most of high school. So it was definitely, that was one of the harder things that I've ever had to like deal with for sure. That's uh, I, I'm I sure know. a lot of people have been, that's like hits <laughs> home right there. So there's a few people that I follow, uh, and, or we follow each other on Instagram that are, I love dogs. Me I, too. Don't, I don't love have them. one now just because of where we live. Yep. Um, but it is my absolute 100% intention to have a buddy yeah. whenever my girls are a little bit more grown. Yep. And, uh, you know, to have some a dog that will hang out with me in the shop here. And That's what I want, too, so bad. Yeah. Unfortunately, I live with my girlfriend, and she's got cats. I love the cats, but yeah. they're not dogs. <laughs> I would love to have just a dog that I can take to the shop and just be a shop dog hanging out, you yeah. know. I love dogs. They're so good. I know. I, I see the pictures every once in a while from her and the cat. And just, yeah. <laughs> cats are cool in their own right, but they're so dang selfish. Yeah, exactly. Dogs are like the complete opposite. Yep. They're just like, they're there at your beck and call. And, yeah, exactly. Hey, buddy, you want to go out? Yep. Yeah, yeah, let's go. I read something on the internet the other day and it was like, take your best friend and your dog and lock them in the trunk for a day and see who's still excited when you open the trunk, you know, <laughs> <laughs> who's excited to see you. I was dying laughing. Awesome. Yeah, that just puts it into perspective right there that, for sure. That absolutely does, because I guarantee you open that and the dog would just be like... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yep. I love you. Yeah, exactly. You're my master. <laughs> um, I guess in a, in, the, in an opposite to what's the worst thing you've experienced, what's the best thing uh, to date across your lifetime I would that you've experienced? I would say... Uh, uh, I went on an epic trip... Uh, a couple of years ago with a buddy of mine and my brother throughout Thailand and Bali. Wow. Yeah, uh, we did three weeks, in two weeks in Thailand and a week in Bali, and it's just still sticking with me to this day. There's not usually like a day I think about that doesn't go by about mm. that trip, you know. Just, it was mind-blowing, you know. It was just, I can't even put it into words. Like, when I came back, I was just, like just a changed person pretty much. Yeah. And uh, How so? Just travel, like I've done some world traveling, but never to like Southeast Asia or just, you know, mostly around the United States and Canada. And I've been to Europe once. And uh, this was just totally different to see a different perspective on people's lives and how things are just different in different parts of the world. And it was just really mind open, like open my horizons of like how people live mm-hmm. in good ways and bad ways, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but just, and just how beautiful it was over there is just like shocking, you know. And I'm just like, I'm actually going to go back to Bali this year with my girlfriend for a couple of weeks. So we're nice. going to do that. We're really, really excited about that. But 
um, and it'll be nice to share it with her too. That'd be awesome. Yeah, I can't wait. So uh, it was just amazing. Everything, every day was just something different and we met the coolest people. Mm-hmm. Everybody's just so nice. Like, especially in Bali, like there was not even like an issue at all the whole time we were there. Just everybody was so nice. It sounds really relaxing. <laughs> yeah, it was really relaxing and just fun. There's so much stuff to do there and just, or do nothing, you know, it was just amazing. That's awesome. We should have uh, Anya on the show at some point. Yeah, definitely. I mean, she's, she's a craftsman. Yeah. A craftswoman. Yep. And uh, we'll have to, we'll have to follow up with you on that. Yeah, definitely. Um, what, uh, what are you currently riding right now? Motorcycle wise? I just bought three days ago. I just bought a Triumph Bonneville, nice. a newer one, 07. So I'm super hyped on that. I already have an exhaust I built on it. <laughs> of course. First, first day. I'm guessing you probably even had it almost put together before you even bought the bike. <laughs> yeah, I did. I did. Yeah. I was, I built an exhaust for somebody and they kind of backed out. So I just had it sitting there. I was like, well, here's my perfect opportunity for to put it on a bike, you know? So I put it on Excellent. my bike. I'm already modifying that, and then I also have a 81 Ironhead mm-hmm. that I've had for a while, and I'm going to revamp it for Born Free this year, getting ready to, when I get time, yeah. <laughs> you know, time's running out, I think. So it's, two weeks before. Yeah, right, <laughs> hopefully not, but yeah, I've been stockpiling some parts for that and just looking, keeping my eye out for stuff to do. I have a certain direction I want to go with it, so I've been just looking for stuff for that and then you might, are you able to share what direction you're going yeah I, i'm not like one of those dudes like super secret about anything <laughs> but i uh i got a found a for a hundred bucks i got a 10 over front end for it nice yeah so pretty hyped on that and then i want to kind of go with a uh i want to kind of do like my own take on like a crazy frank seat mm-hmm. and uh do something like that and then i've been getting super into sheet metal fabrication like built like and i'm um, took a class on a couple classes on sheet metal fabrication and like how to use planishing hammers and english wheels so i'm like mm-hmm. super hyped on doing that stuff right now That's awesome and uh so maybe make custom gas tank yeah okay. maybe which i've done a couple of already but um, fenders or yeah oh well, the crazy the crazy frank. Yeah, yeah crazy frank i'll probably just fab the whole thing from scratch nice so and then it has a pretty sweet exhaust on it already so i'll probably just leave that or maybe modify a little bit to go with the crazy frank and different handlebars and that's about it and just clean it up mm-hmm. a little bit more it's kind of like ratty if anybody remembers it from yeah. born free last Absolutely. year or senior ryan it's a little bit like rat bike right now but kind of want to spruce it up a little bit and get it have it in the booth this year at born free so i have that and then uh that's it i got a little couple little project bikes that i'm just like flipping right now you Mm -hmm. know just working on whenever i get the chance to try to flip but those are my two basic daily riders now you you recently um to bring ani back into the conversation um which i'm pretty stoked about my wife is pretty stoked about too is uh she has been riding a sportster yep that she got from her uncle yeah her uncle yeah. crazy story her uncle bought a 2012 road king or something yeah. some big i forget what it was you know something like that and he just had this 91 sportster that he been riding forever super bagged up and mm-hmm. you know all ready which is crazy because he's kind of a big dude to drive this little tiny little 80, 883 with like <laughs> bags on it and stuff and we're like, like really me on a little tricycle yeah pretty much and uh 
she had just bought a bike, uh, a little Yamaha XS as her first bike, Yamaha XS 360, actually. And uh, the day we were like getting it, we were trying to get it running and we were having some problems with it. And she was just getting fed up because she was just so anxious to ride. And then her, Welcome to motorcycles. Yeah, her, uh, <laughs> her uncle gives her a call and is like, hey, like, I'm shipping you out this bike. And she, we were just like, what? what? Like, you're going to send us a free Sportster? And we were like, this is awesome. Like, we couldn't even believe it, you know? Hung up the phone, happy dance. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> she, she was grinning for weeks afterwards. Yeah. So it showed up on a truck about a month later. He shipped it out here and everything. And I mean, psh, that's a, can't ask for much more of a nicer no. present than that, you know? Not only was it free, but I remember seeing the pictures and it was in fantastic Oh condition. my God. It looked like it just rolled off the floor. No oil leaks, nothing. Yeah. I was like this is crazy it looked like a brand new bike from 1991 so and you guys have since then done some custom work oh yeah. yeah i cut it up <laughs> unfortunately <laughs> no not unfortunately. <laughs> but it's it's, awesome. it's getting there yeah i threw new handlebars on it i chopped their fender i cut the frame and like did turn signals in the frame on, on the frame rails and stuff nice. like that and did a sissy bar for her and we're getting jay from houdini to do mm -hmm. a custom seat we've i get been having him do more and more stuff with me i think he's going to be on the show at some yeah. point too he's a good buddy definitely he's a good good dude and uh but yeah we're getting a custom seat worked out and i think i'm going to throw some pipes on it and do an air filter for it for born free and might cool. have her i know she'll definitely be riding it there either way yeah. so i'm sure it'll either be in the show or be in the booth but um yeah, she's hyped. She loves riding it too. So awesome. We'll have to when, when we finish my wife's panhead. Uh, we'll have to go out riding and get yeah. those two to ride together. Absolutely. We have hopes of having it done by Born Free, but we'll see. Yeah, that's always the case. Let's uh, let's talk about Born Free a little bit. Um, you are you will have a booth out at Born Free. Yep, we got another booth this year. Cool. So already in the planning stages of like I said, getting my bike done and just yeah. getting some inventory stocked up to have stuff to sell and. We're actually going to, um, Jay is going to have some stuff in my booth and then Anya is going to do a bunch of jewelry. She's been stockpiling her mm -hmm. jewelry, um, to get ready for born free. So we're going to kind of just do like a group little thing and have like one half of, you know, you get a 10 by 20, we'll probably do like one half with merchandise and one half with the bikes. Cool. So looking forward to it. It's like the, me too. So close. It's the <laughs> best thing. Like, yeah. Last year was my first year to actually go into Born Free, so it was just like blown away at how cool and how nice and the bikes were just out of control. How yeah, and much craftsmanship. That's like you know I get because I come from that doing that get every day. Just it. get stoked on seeing what other people do so much. Yeah, me too. So. I didn't get a chance to walk around and see everything. Like I really wanted to see everything, but uh, you know, it's such a huge crowd and yeah it's like well there's so much to see yeah it is um, it's kind of hard to do for one day you know yeah. even but well it's a good thing this year they're gonna have the the pre-party at cook's yeah. corner yeah uh, show class magazines um putting that on with uh i think it's obviously in conjunction with born free and uh, they're going to choose the uh people's choice builder uh bike which then will go on to be entered into born free i know it's awesome and um it's uh man i'm looking forward to it <laughs> i'm me too it's getting closer and closer i'm just like oh i can taste it you know yeah. but yeah that party should be fun I'm, i've been loving watching all the the builder updates on uh chop cult with those guys just yeah. you know inspirational definitely definitely you know it's funny i've, I've transitioned from just a aficionado you know and seeing bikes to really being interested now um you know noise cycles is right around the corner here from us uh scott t-bone 
and um, uh, Steve, and uh, they just do, I yeah, think, great work. Definitely. Um, the bike that he entered for uh, for the David Mann Chopper Fest, uh, the the black one, I can't remember the name of it, but uh, it's fantastic looking. Yeah, bike. details on that Amazing thing. Amazing details. You know, that's his stuff I think you don't think of, and it's just like. Um, blown away by that little stuff that makes a difference yeah that is definitely i think his forte is details yep. i was over the other night and uh, they had a panda head they're working on uh for another uh, person who's involved in in the community uh for mark uh from fatal clothing it's mm-hmm. a beautiful pan head crazy pipes and um the thing that caught my attention was the clutch setup and how um i'm pretty sure it was foot foot clutch before and, mm-hmm. and uh you know hand shift but uh they had rigged this thing up and i'm sure it's probably pretty common and i'm not going to use the right terminology to describe it but essentially on the the uh, tranny they rigged this plate so that it stood still so that the plate stood still and the clutch uh, cable came down went through that and around to the other side so the clutch pull was super easy and then uh to shift the shift rod you know it's just normal foot shift and it it went underneath to pull against uh, and push against the the cylinder hmm. and um it was just i saw that and i thought I'm copying that from my wife's bike. She needs an easy pull, you know, yeah. clutch, and uh, I'm not going to put her on a, a a foot clutch bike first bike out. Yeah, definitely not. <laughs> I we have children. I want her to live. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I just did a bunch of fab work on a buddy of mine's shovel, and he went foot clutch. It wasn't his first bike. He does a lot of riding, but uh, he went foot clutch. And every time you know, just like see him take off on a foot clutch hand shifter, I'm just like, man, it looks sketchy. Yeah, like I I could never ride like that, you know. I have hard enough time dealing with no front brake, you know? <laughs> yeah, right. So, like, I'm like, I'm just, I come from, like, that racing background where I'm, like, all front brake. I, yeah. I, I don't get it, you know? I, I, I mean, I get it because it looks awesome. Yeah. And I love it, but it's, it's changed the way I ride, having yeah. to ride no front brake sometimes. You definitely give yourself more distance. Yep. And, yeah. Yeah. First thing you do usually is stomp on that rear brake, and you have to really get yourself used to not doing that. Yep. And then what takes its place is 100% front. And then, you know, a little bit on, on the back or downshift yeah. or whatever. And, um, but I can't imagine rolling no front brake because I'd reach for it. And yeah, hit, uh-oh. That's, <laughs> that's what I, I do, still do it all the time. Guess I'm supermanning over this one. Yep. <laughs> well, it's, uh, it's going to be awesome to, to see you at Born Free. And, um, it's awesome seeing you today. I'm yeah, glad definitely. I'm glad I came out. Me too. Um, if you would like to, uh, read more about Iron Cobras or, uh, check out the website it is ironcobras.com and um, do you have any plans for uh, for parts and things like that maybe in the future yeah right now I'm just doing pretty much custom stuff but mm-hmm. I am planning on when I get some more time away from doing the custom work to get a line of probably do some exhaust and I, I do make custom handlebars for anybody that wants anything like that and just do a small line of like custom accessories for anything you know pretty much just like general parts that can work on any bike but yeah, it's it's coming eventually. Cool. I don't know when, but it'll be out. You know, everything in its time. Right exactly, now, you're at yeah. the place now where it's uh, the shop might be coming more full time for you. And yeah, so that's good. That's a uh, good steady. Uh, you know, turtle turtles pace growth is not a bad thing. Exactly. Yeah. So it's definitely. Well, cool. Thanks. thanks for being on the show, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, it was awesome. I'm glad I came out. Me too. So again, you can check out uh, Evan's stuff at uh, ironcobras.com. And uh, feel free to look him up on Instagram as well. Yep, Iron Cobra's Fabrication. All right, we'll uh, see you at Born Free. Sounds good.